Blog Talk Radio. here at Energy Awareness Radio, the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children.
I'm also a board-certified integrated holistic health energy and sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. This is, let's see, the second in the 12-part series that we have, Channeling Messages from PACs, and our topic today is Unity and Peace on Earth Possible, is it? Our guests are going to let us know just what Pax tells us about that. First, we have Penelope Jean Hayes, who is a new conscious author, television personality, and speaker. She is the foremost leader in the field of contagious and osmotic energy, known as virulinology. She is the founder of the Viral Energy Institute and author of the book, The Magic of Viral Energy. She's appeared on both national and international television, and she hosts her own podcast simply called Penelope. Her website, go and check her out after the show, is PenelopeJeanHayes.com. Carol Serene Borgens is a longtime medium, channeler, horse whisperer, practitioner of many metaphysical disciplines, and author of numerous PAX-channeled books, which includes two children's whimsical volumes, two books on the reality of COVID-19, plus one stating personal power will end the pandemic. The most current PAX channel title is the environmentally focused book, Do Unto Earth, It's Not Too Late. That is the basis for this 12-part series. Carol continues to provide PAX channeled private reading sessions remotely, and she can be reached at carolsereneborgans.com. So welcome back to Energy Awareness Radio, ladies. How are you being? Very well, thank you. Yes, very well. Thank you for having us. Oh, good. I'm glad you're all doing well. That's great, considering everything that's going on in the world. (laughs) Okay, our topic, as I mentioned, is, is unity and peace on Earth possible? So based on what is happening in the world right now, that's kind of a tall order. It's actually a very tall order. So let's get right to it. Is unity and peace on Earth possible? What does PAX have to say about that, ladies? (laughs) Go, Penelope. You know, I knew you were going to throw it to Penelope. <laughs> throughout the book, Do Unto Earth, Pax talks about peace and unity a lot. And it's, it's actually the reason. It's the reason for the book. It's the reason for this message at this time. So it comes up a lot. And the general message is that that's up to us. And, you know, we do need to raise our consciousness. And there's a lot of things that we need to do to turn this around and it's it's up to us it's it's in our hands it's not in the hands of the spirit world they want to bring us wisdom bring us guidance in uh, various forms like like this book doing to earth but it is up to us to start making these changes and i do think it's a tall order i think it's not going to happen in our very near future but we're moving in that direction. We do see a lot of changes. We see a lot of markers in our history right now that would indicate that a change is afoot and we are on the cusp. We're in the middle of a big change and we can see that happening all around us. So I think it's possible, but I think it takes a real effort on the part of of everybody to do that. And it starts with ourselves and what we're doing in our daily lives and what we're emulating out to the world. And I think one of the things that was mentioned was the fact that when you follow your heart, coming from your heart, I teach this a lot to people when I do presentations and such, is just coming from your heart. When you are in the midst of anything, 
it's always, always, always okay to stop and take a breath and to think for just a moment because you want to use that filter that sometimes we don't use. We just, you know, we're human and we make mistakes and we say things very quickly, not always the best thing to do. Most of the times it's not when you say things too quickly. But if you always stop and take a breath, in that second, in that moment, you are actually coming from your heart because you're giving yourself time to think. It's kind of like I've noticed some people, they're usually uh, parents, at the end of an email, it says, think before you hit send, something like that. <laughs> and it's a, it's a good reminder because, you know, you might say something in an email and before, when you see that, you might give it a second thought to not hurt another person, to not harm. I mean, one of, one of my big things is do no harm, do no harm, do no harm. And I think that when you come from your heart in that way and you just stop for a second and you realize, you know, it's not all about me, it's the journey together, it's working with other people and not quickly saying something and trying to put somebody else down to build yourself up. All of these things are ways to do our own little part. And so if everybody did that, then, yeah, we could come to a place of unity and peace. But that's, a, that's hard for people to do. It's hard for them to even practice. What does, what does PAC say about, you know, being able to, does PAC say anything about being able to oh, yes. institute that in a better way? Absolutely. The first step is helping people to understand how it feels. What are the signals um, that you are, in fact, following your heart? What are the signals that your heart is actually guiding you? Um, he talks to us in the Do Unto Earth book about there being a visceral reaction. There's an actual feeling that a person gets when they're about to uh, go into... He, he talks about it actually as being a decision-making tool, following your heart. And when you're about to... Uh, make a decision, a choice about something, we're asked to pause and feel, uh, physically feel what's in our heart. And simplistically, if you are considering um, going to A or to B, if you, if you ask yourself if A would be the right thing for you, and you feel what's in your heart, you may feel um, warm and uh, warm and fuzzy, the love in your heart, the, the, the warmth of it, versus if you're considering the alternative, you may feel cold and perhaps something that you fear the most in life. Uh, we get these visceral feelings if we're thinking about something we fear. You can judge that way, uh, which is right for you. It becomes quite clear, and it's just a matter of practice of spending time uh, feeling this and let, let your body talk to you, and uh, it will confirm what is right and what is not right for that person. Um, certainly when you begin to understand this exercise, it works for you. I think that happens a lot with people, with almost everyone at some point when they know they're doing something they ought not to be doing. You know, they the know that of, they're... Yeah, case of recognizing yeah, it, hey? 
Yeah, yeah, but but the practice part is that take remember that instance and take it with you in every other instance, because I think it happens to all of us almost automatically. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. I think we know if we will stop and feel and um, listen and understand what that means for us. Too often, I think we push through because we really want to do it and we know we shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of that out there right now in the form of bullying, mean girls, all that type of stuff. People know when they're doing something that they ought not to be doing. And if they could just take that feeling into every other aspect of their life and realize, you know, sometimes you have to look at the other perspective and see what, what is it that they might be thinking about this, which is why I said it's always okay to stop and and pause or say, I need to get back to you on that because you really need to think something through. And there's just not, there's not a lot of that out there. Where, where do we learn this? I mean, parents can teach it, but they don't. Schools could teach it, but they don't. I think it's something that is hard to get across to the masses in a way that people would find to be almost credible, to validate that it really does work. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to listen to it. So many clients will say, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And I'll say, okay, you have to look at the other perspective. No, I'm right. Okay. (laughs) That's different then. That's that's not using what you're supposed to be using here to to try to make a decision or to think of the other person and how they might feel. Exactly. You know, Um, because it is a good way to make decisions. when Pax talks about follow your heart and he keeps repeating it, it, Carol explained it absolutely perfectly. And it's really a linguistic thing here because when Pax speaks, it is like a philosophy or, you know, it's a divine text. And every word is intentional. And the word follow in this case is very intentional because this is the pathway. If we're looking for the answer to the question, you know, is unity and peace on earth possible or how can we have peace on earth? These are the answers. The answers are in these, are in the words and every single word has a purpose. So follow your heart is a lot more than what it might seem on the surface. And it is exactly that you have the power within yourselves. You have a sixth sense and beyond. You have abilities that you're not tapping into What is your inner self telling you or your higher self or however you want to call that? That information and wisdom is there. The answers are there. And so whatever the situation is, whether it's an issue with, you know, an issue with a friend or something like you're talking about to pause before speaking type of a thing, or if it's a choice between two positives, you know, two, just two different paths to always look within and to follow your heart is, not just three words, but there are three very intentional words. I think a good way to do it, too, is through meditation. A lot of people can start that way. Is that a good starting point, do you believe? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Meditation is, is a tool, if nothing else. And so for yes. some people, it simply can help them get centered and get into peace within themselves. And that's where it starts. And if you can get to that place, and it doesn't have to be a quiet place. You know, it's very hard to turn off our thoughts. And I would suggest that 
don't try so hard to turn off your thoughts, but just to allow yourself space. And meditation will do that for people. And, and if, you, if you haven't tried it, I know you have tea, but I'm speaking generally. If someone hasn't tried it, right. just try it. Try, try meditation, you know, not once or twice, but on a fairly regular basis. And just find out for yourself what it does in your life. And the space that it creates allows for, I find, it's like opening wider this portal to that divine wisdom, that source that's out there, and allowing yourself that space to, to do that. So it is a tool, and it's, you know, just it's one tool, but it's, it's definitely one of our favorites. I think, it, yeah, it's one of mine too. I think it's a great tool because it does so many other things as well. It reduces stress. It lowers your blood pressure. It allows you to stay grounded throughout the day. You make rational decisions and you get more time. I can't tell you how many times people will say to me, I don't have time to meditate. And I will tell them, you don't have time not to meditate because you get <laughs> so much more time because you're doing things more efficiently because you're grounded and you're less stressed and you're able to look at things differently and you do it quickly. So when you start to practice the meditation practice, you know, know. set the timer for three or four minutes. That's all. Everybody has three or four minutes. Mm -hmm. Even if you're in the shower, just meditate in the shower and, and see what happens. And then you'll want, you'll almost crave it at the end of the day. It's kind of something that I crave. Like I can't wait to meditate. I can't wait to go meditate because Mm-hmm. It just does something. And when you do it on a regular basis, you will find that decisions can be made quicker in your life without having to really think them through so long as some people do. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to probably, I mean, I think I look at it kind of like, all right, if somebody asks me to do something and it's not a solid yes, then it's a no. Mm-hmm. It's a definite no. And and people are like, how can you make that decision so quickly? I'm like, because if it's a yes, I'm all in. But if there's hesitation, mm-hmm. then it's a no. There must not be time. For you and for... I'm getting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah, it is very visceral. You, you're it's a gut very thing. decisive. Yep. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think I'm like that too. Yep. And for other people, it may not be so decisive, but that there there could be that time to let something you know sit with them. And so it may not be the same for everybody, but I do think that meditation, it's, it's a detox, you know, it's that time to detox. It's, yes. a, it's a medicine, it's a detox, it's a therapy, it's, um, you know, the antidote to the kryptonite. <laughs> you know, it allows you to have some of the opposite of all of the noise in the world and a lot of those toxicities that, you know, we get in the media and social media. You know, we're talking about unity and peace on earth today and i would suggest that the wars that we used to have are not the wars that we're fighting today the wars of today is a war of information it's a battle not for truth we we all think it's a battle for truth for some reason it's a battle for righteousness and this usness versus them and i mean righteousness in in a negative sense that is yes usness we're right we're right it's our side that's right versus them those bad them And so this is like the battle that we're fighting right now. It's not on the field with guns. It's this battle on social media. It's a battle in the media. It's a battle of zeros and ones, and I mean that in the digital sense. It's this battle over... Yeah, it's this this battle over using and manipulating information to manipulate people's 
um, ideas and ideologies and their belief systems. And there's so much behind this. And you can follow the money on this, too. This isn't this is a war of today. Mm -hmm. It's not a small thing. It's a bona fide war with a lot of money poured into it by the second, by the minute. And it's a, it's a very powerful thing when you, you know, own their thoughts and own their belief systems, you can dictate everything from their buying habits to what they support and and everything else. So it is, um, it's a big deal right now. And therefore, you know, our striving for unity and peace starts there. And we're so addicted right now in this time in our, our development, so addicted to drama, so addicted to drama that we, we crave drama. We don't crave peace. We crave drama. And, and no. I'm saying we in a very broad sense. I don't mean everybody. I mean yes. generally, generally society at this time, and there's a lot of variables, you know, everything from our entertainment. There are many factors that have lent into what our culture is today. But our popular culture today is a culture of craving drama. And we don't crave peace, unfortunately, because for some reason we like drama. For some reason drama is working for us. It's just where we are right now. And so we continue to create it. And I would say that if we're looking for unity and peace on earth, um, first of all, it's, it would be not, not peace on earth, but peace amongst people on earth, because earth is just fine. <laughs> but peace amongst the people on earth. And I would say that the first thing is we need to ask ourselves, you know, um, is it divisive? Whatever it is that you're talking about, that maybe you're watching, that you're spending your thoughts on, that you're discussing with a friend, is this divisive? Not do I agree with it because we can always find things right. we disagree with. But is it divisive? And if you can do that, and that's the tall order, if you can do that, then you start to evolve your consciousness. Then you're, because it's a really hard thing to do. It's easier to say, do I agree with that or not? Well, no, I don't agree with it. There's a lot of, you know, stuff going on in the world right now that um, I don't agree with. But if we're truly looking for peace and unity on earth, I would say that a really good place to start is to, Attempt to be mindful. You know, if we really want to be part of the solution, it's so easy to, you know, get in the habit of talking as we all are right now. I mean, this is like, you know, our country is so divisive and these conversations are conversations of polarity. So it's hard to do. It's a very tall order. But if we really want to be part of making peace on earth. And it's up to us. It's not up to the spirit world. If we really want to do it, the question is to ask ourselves, is this divisive? Whatever it is, is this divisive? And how can I be a part of making unity? And I agree with that because there's so much right now to do with power, control, drama, ego. I want it my way. Mm -hmm. I don't want it anybody else's way. It has to be for me self-absorbed and self-centeredness it's all out there you know it's hard Mm -hmm. to watch the news it's hard to watch tv because as you said the entertainment industry there's a lot of Mm -hmm. things that i just will not watch i start to watch Mm -hmm. a program i say you know what this isn't for me this is not good this is it's it it gives me a visceral feeling and when i start to feel that i have to walk out of the room because I can't mm-hmm. watch certain TV shows that are on every week, once a week that people talk about. I'm like, no, see, that's just not, 
that's not good. They're putting that out there. They're showing bullying. They're showing all kinds of things that look like they're okay to do and teaching whoever is watching them that, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And that's not, that's not good. So when, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have to be able to have the the strength and the courage too, to when somebody asks you or, or says something to you and you say, I don't, that's not something I care for or something I want to do. And they, you have to be able to stand up to it because people are going to disagree and try to, try to pummel you <laughs> and tell you that you're wrong and this is how it has to be. Everybody does it. Yeah. If everybody jumped off a bridge, would you, you know, you have to be able to live with yourself and be, be true to yourself, be authentic to yourself and be strong about it. And I think people have difficulty with that. I really do. I think that they just want to be part of the crowd. And I think that's, Oh yeah. That's a hard thing. Yeah, it's a hard thing it's to not. I'm hard. definitely not part of crowds. Yeah. I mean, people will well, all the time the say, thing. he's different. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I am. I'm different because I don't want that stress. I don't want that overwhelm. I can't handle it. I admit it. And then they just look at you differently, you know, and they're like, okay. You know, you so know, I, I think it is. Yeah, it is a cycle. You know, T, mm-hmm. that's one of the enduring lessons that we read from Pax is he asks us to go within ourselves to find our true self, our strength, our ability to say no in the face of bullying perhaps, to find our authenticity and uh, to stand in our own light. Uh, It's a hard lesson for people, especially kids, um, but it's the beginning. It's the beginning for everyone. And we do have to start somewhere because if you look at the world now, I mean, I have hope that there'll be unity and peace someday on this planet. I just don't think I'll live to see it. (laughs) I really don't. (laughs) The more that you see going on, the harder it is to stomach what people, the way people choose to say, this is what's right. Well, that might be right for you, but let's look at the other guy. You know, what are they thinking? There's got to be compromise and nobody wants to compromise right now. I see that a lot. That's There's exactly not a lot of compromises. It. That's a lot. exactly it. Yeah. It's me Including and mine. No, we're not going to compromise. Thing. If you're waiting to yeah. agree, if we're waiting right. to agree, that's not going to happen because we. No. It, it's okay to have different opinions and different politics and different values and different um, beliefs. And it's okay. You know, that part's okay. Yeah. And the part that is is the problem is when we're focusing on that and we're focusing on, you know, what our differences are. And that, you know, the news does that so beautifully. And look, you know, I come from a journalism background. Don't they? I, <laughs> I, I love the news as much as it's, you know, it's a love-hate relationship. But so I'm not, um, I'm not really, um, I'm not really um, poo-pooing the news, um, but because we do need to be informed, but there there is just a lot of it going on right now where it's definitely the us against them stuff. And if we yeah. continue to do that and continue to sit in our nice seat of righteousness, because we're right. Hey, you know, our way is the right way. And maybe it is, <laughs> but, but if you continue to do that, if we continue to do that, we're just not going to get anywhere. So we can get stuck where we are now and see how that goes for us or we can really try to disengage from that and try to you know we talk about unity among races 
and we are making progress there. And yet we still can't do it for our political beliefs and our religious beliefs, our spiritual beliefs. You know, we're not willing to see that it's the same thing. Right. It's just, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. But, so the, you know, the book Do Unto Earth, it begs you to finish the sentence. And that is, as you would have Earth, do unto you. And so, you know, right. this book, it's a... It's a mirror of ourselves, and, you know, it's not an encyclopedia. I know it's a sizable book, and it has a lot of topics, and it's not an encyclopedia of topics, and it's not topics grouped together for a very specific reason. It's, it's a mirror of the human condition, and it's organized as a long story of past, present, and future. I've actually been waiting to, for somebody to, to recognize that. If any of your listeners who have bought Do Unto Earth have recognized the organization of past, present, and future, the story of the human condition, please write into T and let her know because that would be um, very insightful on your part. But the reason is, I mean, I do think it's divinely organized and it is a mirror of ourselves and it takes us through our journey of where we were, what's going on now, what we need to do, and then the future. You know, what will the future look like? And all of that relates to what we're dealing with now. And the purpose of all of it is for peace and unity and harmony, period. And there's a flow to it. And I thought we did talk about that, but perhaps we didn't. Go ahead, Carol. I was just going to add to what Penelope says and inclusion. Pax speaks to us about that. He says in it's... It's the time in the history of our planet Earth when a pivot is required, and that is to the need for inclusion. Now, I think we know that, but I also think we're not doing it as a civilization, as a society. We're not being inclusive. We're, as Penelope was saying, we're not considering another's point of view um, we would rather shut them out because they're probably wrong. You know, we're right. And (laughs) that just does not work. Um, And, you know, love, excuse me, love is what Pax says needs to enter our way of life um, as it pertains to everything uh, for our people's survival. And without that within our hearts, we cannot open to inclusion. I think for a lot of people, when they admit love is a, is a big, I mean, it's the strongest emotion we have. You know, there's love and fear. There's really only two emotions, right? Love and fear. Everything good is love. Everything bad mm-hmm. is fear. All the positive is love. All the negative is fear. That's it. So you're either coming from a place of fear or you're coming from a place of love. And you know when you're in either one because you know how you feel. You feel really good when you're coming from a place of love and you feel not so hot when you're coming from a place of fear. So... I think people have a hard time with that because it's almost like it's a weakness to them. You know, oh, yes. if, yeah. if I'm coming from love, this is definitely, I'm showing my weak side. No, you're not. You're actually showing a great strength because you have the courage to, to live from what you are because we come from love. We're made from love. We are love. So why can't we just be love? And when it comes to the inclusion, we seem to take things one piece at a time. So right now we're talking about inclusion in this country, racial inclusion. And prior to that, it was, you know, female inclusion. 
and who knows what it's going to be tomorrow. It really should just be across the board. But nobody's saying, let's put them all down and let's do all of them at once. It would be so much easier if we just included everybody in everything. Yay! Can't we all play nice <laughs> in the sandbox? But nobody wants to do that. And this is what I don't understand. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I'm hoping that. Hypocrisy. You know, we, uh, you know, if you look at that us versus them thing again and racial unity that you brought up, you know, again, we are working on that. And I think that it yep. is. A pretty incredible time, actually, what's happened in the last year, and I think that we've woken a lot of people up, and change is happening, and, and I see it. I really hope that everyone sees that change is happening, progress is happening in terms of racial unity, and we have a long way to go, baby, but it is oh, now yeah. being talked about. I think that is an excellent thing, but the hypocrisy is that we don't see it's the exact same thing with any of the us versus them. It doesn't matter if it's we're talking about two different cultures, two different races, two different um, male and female, or the us versus them of politics, and it goes on and on and on. It's all the same thing. And so how can we say, oh, well, you should, you know, love everybody, accept everybody, everybody has equal everything, and then you're not the same people, those loving ideas are not really putting that into practice in other ways. So I think that when we can kind of get off our high horse and realize that we all have work to do in a lot of areas and that um, the real question should always be, is this divisive or is this unifying? And if we can do that, and it's a very hard thing to do. And, you know, it's hard because you brought up bullying it's hard because, yes, everything is love-based or fear-based, and bullying is fear-based, and being a bully is also fear-based because oftentimes the person who was bullied just craves so badly to be accepted that it is so much more pleasant to go along with the pack, um, whatever that is. And if that means that this is the righteousness, us versus them, and now I'm a part of something because I'm a part of this group that is, you know, polarizing the other group because we're right and they're definitely wrong. You know, and sometimes for somebody who had been bullied or any type of um, experience of not being included in their life, this now is a warm and fuzzy place because we're part of something, we're part of a group, we have an identity as a group, and we know what we stand for because we know that we're, you know, blue and they're red or they're red and we're blue. And so we have this identity and we know that we're definitely not them. And so it becomes this like safe, warm and fuzzy place for a lot of people who have experienced the negative effects of, of those fear impacts. And so I think if we can demystify this and say, look, this is, this is what's going on um, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, that, it would go a long way for healing because we don't, you know, we, we don't have to see inclusion as to be part of something that is not something else, you know, the polarity of it. And it's a matter of acceptance. You know, if we could just get to the point of acceptance of whatever, it doesn't matter if we see something that someone is doing and we think that it is wrong it is obviously right. right for them because they're doing it. We don't know their journey. Mm -hmm. They don't know our journey. So mm -hmm. it's interesting 
because if you if you if you take this piece by piece, okay, it's us versus them. That can be one high school football team against another high school football team, right? Okay? And that's usually ends up being kind of friendly. Then we get into the politics, and that's not always friendly, okay? Then you get into countries. Again, not necessarily friendly, you know, the United States versus Russia, okay? So this is how we have wars and things. Religion, the same thing, you know, Jews versus Catholics, all right? That's, so we got people fighting. Now it comes down to you're channeling packs, and we know that there are aliens who are watching our planet. And they don't want to come here because they know that we're, we're not nice all the time. And we're going to take them and we're going to start, you know, doing things to them if we, if we catch them, as was done in Roswell. And the interesting thing is if a whole bunch of these huge aircraft were around our planet, all of a sudden the us versus them would be this planet, the whole planet together versus them. So the us versus them continues to grow. It snowballs into a bigger piece. It's never ever though us versus them. It's always we. It's always we. And it's just a matter of acceptance and saying, I know that, you know, my neighbors might be doing something that I don't like, I don't think is right, but you know, hey, you want to have a party and not wear masks? Be my guest. I'm not going to be there and I'm not coming to your house. You know, that's fine. I don't like it. But what are you going to do? That's, it's their life. Just don't go near them. Do what I feel needs to be done. Take care of me, my home, my people in my home, and just know that, you know, we all have different things going on. But isn't it funny how people group together in larger scales from different areas where they may have been opposing in different areas? They don't look at that and say, it doesn't matter where the opposition is. It's always we. It's if, if something that is someone is doing is greater is is good for the greater good for the greater whole the whole collective then it's got to be good for yourself because you're doing it for the greater good and i don't think people look at that no we we have a separation mentality that we don't see the collective you know we talk about oh we're all connected and that's good that we talk about that because it's true. But it is an esoteric concept for most people, even many spiritualists, because if we really did believe we were all connected, there would be no, we wouldn't be having this podcast. <laughs> we wouldn't be true. talking about how to have unity and peace on earth because that one thing would be like the gears would, instead of grinding, now they, you know, they're, they click into place and everything runs harmoniously. So it would start with that, and and if we can if we can begin to do that, and I think the only way to do it is within ourselves, and then within our family, and we may never live to see peace on earth. I, I think that's a very true statement, but we might live to see peace within our own family, and within our own circles, and those circles will grow like ripples on a pond. Pack says. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to look at the other perspective. I'll give you an example. Years ago, uh, I was working in Massachusetts, where I come from. Um, I was in real estate. I owned a bunch of real estate offices, and there was a big parcel of land that was for sale. And they wanted to put, I don't know, I think it was like 60 houses on it. And it wasn't the right thing for that parcel of land at all. And so I went to a town meeting where all the hunters were because it was near state forest, and they wanted to keep it that way. And all these hunters who knew me, I walked in my little power suit and, you know, I go in to vote 
and they ignored me completely. They would not talk to me. They, there was a seat in one of the rows and I said, is anybody sitting there? May I have that seat? And they said, no. And I said, okay. So I kind of stood in the back of the room and then it was time to vote and they did a stand up vote and they said, okay, who in the room believes that we should take this property and actually turn it into a subdivision? You know, let's, let's get the vote on that. And everybody had to sit down. So I had to find a chair and then you stood up and people stood up and they took the vote. And there were three hunters behind me, I, which I did not know. I wasn't aware that there were three hunters behind me. And then they said, stand up if you think we should not do this. And I was one of the ones that stood up. And the hunters all looked at me because there I am in this power suit mm-hmm. amongst all these people wearing camo. Okay. <laughs> and, and there I am standing up. And they were just like, we can't believe it, you know. So afterward, them. it ended up being that it didn't sell to build houses on. And they asked me, they said, why did you not vote the other way? We thought, sure, you were going to do that because you would have been the one getting all those listings. And I said, yeah. And they said, why didn't you? I said, because mm-hmm. it's not right for the town. See, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Instead, of, they, they, they ought not to be doing that. There's another parcel they could get that's closer to another town. It's on the town line. They could, instead of building septic systems, they can retail or wholesale the uh, sewer system from the other town and retail it to the owners of the properties. They're never going to know the difference, and it becomes a profit center for the town, number one. Number two, make it 55 and older. You're not impacting the school system. So that's a good thing right there. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that could go right, and it's a better piece of land, and everything up there is it's easier to work, and we can sell mid-level houses. We don't have to be selling these million-dollar mansions. And they were just shocked. Creative compromise. They were completely shocked. Yeah, I said, this is how you make sure that it's good for the whole and it's still good for you. I don't need to make the commission off of, you know, 60 houses that are worth over a million dollars. Would it be nice? Sure. Is it right? No, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. It's not going to be good. Somebody's going to get hurt because there's, you know, land out there that's, it, it, there's a ton of state forest out there and you guys are shooting out there all the time. I cannot tell you after that how much venison was delivered to my house, which I did not have. <laughs> and I was like, I love venison. This is great. Americans don't know how to cook it, but I do. I learned over in Scotland. So this is great. So, um, yeah, so we had venison. It was really good for a while. Um, but, you know, if you just look at the other side before you take a vote, just look and see, well, what can be done? How else can there be yeah. something that will satisfy everyone? And that needs to be taught in schools. Because it's not. Oh my I really think that's something that needs to be taught in that's school. That's brilliant. Um, that's to, called inclusion. Yeah, take a. Yeah, exactly. Well, like this little boy who recently came up to me and he was like, "Mrs. Love, I did it wrong. I had no idea what this kid was doing. None, none. I didn't know what he was doing." The teacher standing next to me and I said, "No, you didn't." And she looked at me like, "How do you know? <laughs> you know?" And I said, "You didn't do it wrong." And he goes, "I didn't." I said, "No, of course not." And he goes, "Really?" I said, "Yeah, you just found a way that didn't work. Now go back and find a way that does." And he looked at me and he mm-hmm. went, he, he had a smile on his face and he went and he sat down, really cute little kid. He's like, I don't know, six or seven years old. So in 10 years, his mother and all the girls' mothers are going to have a problem. And all these little <laughs> girls were sitting around him. <laughs> and so I hear him like 15 minutes later, a little girl says, oh no, I did it wrong. And he says, no, you didn't. You just found oh. a way that didn't work. Keep doing it. You'll find it. You'll find something that works. And what I started valuable laughing. Lesson. And the yeah, for me, because I thought, if I die now, I've done my job. My, my work here is done. I have, uh-huh. This yeah. child listened to me, actually listened to me, took it in, and then regurgitated it. That child learned. I love that child. 
I love Perfect. that child. I'm like, this is, I love this kid. Yeah, it was great. And I think that helped that kid to understand that we can't be telling children you're stupid, you're dumb, you're wrong. We have to just say, okay, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a scientist, okay? So here you go. It's going to be like, you just keep working on something. You say, well, that didn't work. Let's figure out a way that does. That's what science is. It's not failure. It's failures that you don't call a failure. You just say, it didn't work. Let's try something else. And you keep going until the experiment does work, until you get to the point where it does work. So if people could apply that to, you know, inclusion and just, uh, I don't Mm -hmm. care what color anybody is, what religion they are, can they do the job? If they can't do the job, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. You could be the most beautiful person in the world. You can't do the job. I'm not hiring for pretty. I need brains. You know, (laughs) (laughs) and that's the whole thing. You need the person who can do the job. It doesn't matter what color, what religion, nothing. Nothing matters to me. And yet there are laws that dictate that you have to hire a certain amount of people of a certain whatever. But but what if somebody else is better? That's a different whatever. You know, that too Mm -hmm. is still inclusion. We need to train people better. We need to be more there needs to be more equality and the only way to get to that is to be creative and think about things and how we're going to put it together in a peaceable way and I think in both of those instances it was it was peaceable for everybody involved the little kid was happy the teacher was happy she wasn't happy with me at first when I told the kid he didn't do it wrong (laughs) she was not (laughs) I could clearly see in her face that I'm going to get an f for being here today (laughs) but then she understood it so I think she even learned and I thought well, that sure. was kind of, you know, kind of good. Yeah. And right there, you get unity. You know, it's everybody working together. That's, it's, it's a difficult thing. But if you think it through, and, and I'm very logical, so I do think things through. If you think it through, and that's what I mean by take a breath, take a moment, and then you might be able to come up with something, even if you have to say, I need to think about this, because mm-hmm. you will come up with something. Well, it's seeing just, the other person's point of view, it's valuable. Yeah, because sometimes their point of view is better. But you have to have oh. the courage to say, hey, that's great. That's a good idea. And give them the, the accolades. You know, kudos to you for coming up with that. Thank you. Yep. But exactly. people don't want to mm-hmm. do that either. You know, nobody can be better than anybody true. else. And in this world, there's always somebody better and there's always somebody not as good. But you're always going to find somebody better than you. Always, always, always. Mm-hmm. And, you there's know. so much to learn. Yeah. You know, the other side can't be 100% wrong as much as we might think that they are because we've chosen right. our own belief system. There's got to be something there. And we've all had experiences throughout our life where we've learned something and we've then changed and we then went, oh, Oh, wow. And you yeah. know, I've had things where I thought I would never think differently, believe differently than I do now. And then lo and behold, something happened along the path of my life. And now I've been exposed to a different way of, of looking at something. So, yep, a lot of value that um, we're in a particular time right now like we've never seen before. And so this is just a big reminder to everyone to say that, you know, this only hurts you. And this only hurts your family, and this is only causing you strife and stress. So go meditate and go read Do Unto Earth and look at it, um, every word like philosophy and nuggets of gold wisdom, um, a long love letter to you, a big gift to humanity. So we're encouraging everyone to not just listen to Carol and I, but to, um, to get the book because this was intended for you to read. And there's so much in it that you can learn. And there's so much that will probably shift things within you because 
maybe you didn't know. You heard something on the news. And you know how sometimes you hear a little tidbit and you say, oh, well, okay, that, that's interesting. Why did they do that? And then you never hear anything again. So you walk around believing that that tidbit is it. And it's mm, not. Yeah. It's so much more. It's the tip of the iceberg. So this book has a lot of clarity. A lot of uh, clarity will be brought to you by, by reading it. And, and questions will come up that continue to read it because the question might be answered you know, three or four chapters down the road. You just don't know. That's what I found. There were things I thought, huh. And then something would come up else, and I go, aha. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. So it's tricky that way. <laughs> it's like a little. And injury. I feel it's very intentional. <laughs> um, you know, that is the thing about this book, Do Unto Earth. It's really like nothing that I've ever read before. And, you know, I asked the questions, Carol channeled, Pax returned the answers. And we've all read a lot of spiritual books and a lot of channeled books and a lot of very good channeled spiritual books. But I think this one's different in my experience because it unfolds when you're ready for it. And there's something about the process that brings you there. There's something about the, I'm going to say it's a divine organization of bringing someone through a journey. This book is actually a journey of consciousness. It's a journey of a spiritual evolution. It is, but it's also, and it is different. I mean, I read a, a book a week for this show, and I've been doing this show for 12 years. That's a lot of books. So, you know, that's 52 books a year. That's a lot. And mm -hmm. sometimes when you read a book and then you go back maybe a year later or something and you read it again, you think, this wasn't in it the first time I read this book. And then you realize <laughs> no, nobody came in. Nobody came in the house, took the shelf, took it off the shelf, and started yeah. retyping the book. You know, I, I know that didn't happen. It's like, oh, okay. You get what you get when you're ready to get it. The interesting That's thing is, it. so I read this book for the first show, okay, that we had on this particular book, which I, for some reason, I can't remember why we had to change the date, but we did. So I had to reread it for the, for the first show that we actually did do on this book. And then because we're doing a 12-part series, I'm going through the book looking for information on the different topics. And sometimes I'll just start flipping through and I'll read something and I'll get stuck on it. It has nothing to do with the topic that we're <laughs> going to discuss during that, that show. But it's something that I find interesting. And I think, huh, okay, I don't remember this being this way before. <laughs> of course it was. I don't think... Penelope, you or Carol, you came to my house and said, let's mess with T's brain and change the book. And I don't think Pax is doing it either. So you will, even in this quick a time frame, and I do believe time is quickening, and I do believe we're picking up things a lot faster right now, and we're gaining more information faster right now, not because it's being thrown at us, but because we are more open to it. And we're more open to learning. And the more that we open our hearts, the more we're going to get. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why when I pick up this book and each time say, okay, I, gotta, I need to you know, prepare for the show for next month. And I, I usually do it the weekend before the show. I'm finding things that weren't necessarily there before that have absolutely nothing to do with the show at hand. So I know that's, that's you know true. Why? I know that it's, it's not. It's Mm -hmm. It's because it's, it's actually the book is subjective. The book is subjective. The reader mm -hmm. is part of the process, and it doesn't exist as a stale, dead thing sitting on a desk. The reader is actually part of it. And if you think of yes. 
you know, the, the, the whole point is consciousness. So if you look at this book, Do Unto Earth, you can say this book is about raising consciousness. And you cannot raise consciousness without that being subjective to each person reading. And so it will meet you where you are. It will bring you to new places. It will help you to open up those passages of raising consciousness. And it, and it, is, it is a different book when you pick it up. There's something really, I'm going to say magical, you know, there's something magical. Even I yes. will pick up this book and have that same experience. And, you know, I know this book very intimately and I will have that experience. And the reason is because it is subjective. It is a living thing. And I think that when spirit talks to you in such a pure way, it is that way. It's a very fluid, evolving, living thing. Yeah, and, and because we are evolving, we are going to get more out of the passage, even if we read it 50 times. And you could read it 50 times in one day and, and not get anything. And then go back a week later and pick it up and read that passage, and bam, there's your aha moment, and you've got it. It, it is a magical book. And it, I know you said it was a long book, and it is kind of long. I mean, I read a lot of books, so to me, I don't know how many pages is this, like 430 or something. Um, it's not all that long because it's a quick read because you want to keep reading and you're savoring each word as you're reading it. You're just so interested in what is being written, what, what is on these pages that you just keep going with it. And it actually goes by pretty quickly, you know, as does the show. So now the time is going by pretty fast. I do want to ask Carol, Carol, it's time for a COVID update. Is there any new information PAX is willing to share with us regarding the progress we may or may not be making in terms of the spread of COVID and the vaccines? Yes, there is. And uh, it was this afternoon I uh, channeled uh, the following. PAX, uh, this was about the vaccines uh, versus the mutations, or as we're hearing it called, variants. PAX says this. We are here to say that the many more mutations of COVID-19 you will see emerging are no match for the current vaccines. I, I just want to clarify what he actually means is the vaccines are no match for the emerging variants. As science strives to create combinations of vaccines to combat the changes, the virus continues to create change within itself which blocks the efficiency of existing vaccines. There will be a solution, and it is underway now in the labs in development stages. As the virus continues to grow and change, in some ways it moderates itself and finds a place to just be, not growing or mutating. This is not yet explored. Be aware that the place this virus holds in your people now is one going down in history as the most curious one. While it comes and goes in people or seems to, it comes and stays. This we have known and spoken of and is the reality. Remaining dormant is the way of it. Awaiting another bloom within the body also is the way. Science needs to determine what triggers the next bloom so it may be blocked. Much is new in COVID treatment, developed as days go on and the virus shows itself differently. The greatest development comes when scientists realize 
This is a non-theoretical situation and get down to the level of the virus in its behaviors. There is a way to manage it that will be developed. Meanwhile, the known way to manage it by human behavior and caution must be observed. The intention to protect oneself and protect others by following health guidelines is what will make the difference in new COVID-19 numbers. While your people turn to science to save them, they should also turn within themselves for the strength and common sense to set their own boundaries and be responsible. This, too, is the way. See, now, here we have unity. If everybody just would wear a mask mm-hmm. and stay six feet away, you know, That's we'd it. be a whole lot better off. But I, I, I did want to say and a couple of things. Uh, first of all, this is channeled information. So, you know, I don't know what people are thinking out there, and there's no liability on anybody's part here. It's channeled information that's coming through. You can take it. You can leave it. smartest thing to do is just to continue wearing a mask, wash your hands, and determine which vaccine you might want if you want one. Now, we have two already, Moderna and Pfizer. Johnson & Johnson is in approval for the end of this month and, and hoping that they'll have their first vaccine into people's arms on March 1st. And all of those vaccines have been touted as having anywhere between, I don't know, it was like 85 to 95% effective rate at preventing the laboratory-confirmed COVID-19 illness in people without evidence of a previous infection. Then we have AstraZeneca, which is not having the same results as Moderna and Pfizer are, especially with the mutations, particularly, I believe it's the South Africa one, uh, and J&J, they don't know yet. Having said that, there is a company in Canada called Medicago that for years, since 2005, has warned Canada that they needed to prepare itself for a pandemic. And they lobbied the government officials for funding to build a uh, domestic manufacturing site for a vaccine, but they didn't get it. They stayed determined, though, and after years, they got U.S. funding for pandemic preparedness in 2010. So that's 11 years ago now, and ended up building a 30,000-square-foot R&D facility in Durham, North Carolina. And they can produce 10 million doses a month. Now, they're in the midst of building a facility in Quebec, but that won't be ready until, like, 2023, early 2024. So when COVID hit, Medicago got going and produced a COVID-19 vaccine candidate within 20 days of receiving the genetic sequence. In phase one of the clinical trials that they held in Canada, 100% of the people who received their COVID-19 vaccine actually developed significant antibody responses, and there were no severe adverse effects, none. Now they're going into their phase three trials which are going to involve like 30,000 people in 11 different countries, including Canada, and will ultimately, just like all the other vaccines, determine if the vaccine protects people from COVID. It's a two-dose vaccine, 21 days apart, but it doesn't require extreme temperature storage. And if it does get approved by Health Canada, it could be in the, on, in the uh, arms of, let's say, Canadians by the second half of this year. So... Here's my question, <laughs> and I know you can't, you can't channel tax right now or anything like that, and I'm not looking for that. I'm just saying, with all, you're from Canada, Carol, so I'm asking you, with all of this information, and it is all 
good and with results such as these. We are hearing no mention of Medicago at all. Nothing. Nothing. Not in this country. I haven't heard any. When I talk to people about Medicago, because I've read so many articles, I've attended so many Zoom meetings about it, and this is with people around the world. And I'm like, why is no one talking about Medicago, especially where there's a facility in the United States that's producing or will be producing the vaccine with a 100% rate? A hundred percent. That's five percent better than the best one we've got, and it has no adverse side effects. We don't even know the side effects of the other ones yet. So, are you? Is anybody in Canada talking about this? Is this something that Canadians know, and 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 nobody else is being given praise in the information? I can tell you that Pax talked about that just over a year ago. For your listeners, Penelope and I created two books on COVID-19. They're called The Likely Future, Short and Long-Term Guidance from the Source, the source being Pax. And when we were discussing uh, in those books what was going to be the solution to our problems uh, with this virus in terms of vaccines, Pax made a very profound statement. He said it will come from a company in Canada. No, there was now, no mention. Now, I remember you said that. There was there no was mention no of the mention company's of the, name. But no, he didn't mention the company's name. He said it will come from a Canadian company. Uh, we didn't is, ask any more at the time. It was a year ago. Now, that show, we did that show, actually, and this is why I brought it up. We did that show on September 30th. Um, so anybody who wants to go and listen to that, that show, go ahead. And you know what? You really should buy the two books, The Likely Future, Volumes future. 1 and 2. They're so interesting, and they're like, they're only like, yes, I'm sorry, Likely Future, Volume 1 and 2. They're, um, they're only like 50 pages each, but they're really, really informative books. They're and prophetic. I asked because, yes, oh, because the stuff that has been said in those books has already occurred. I mean, I read the books, we did the show, and you could go into that book right now, into those books right now, read them, and check off the things that Pac said that have occurred since that book was written. You could absolutely mm-hmm. check it off and say, yep, that happened, that happened, that happened. And I remember he had mentioned a, a company in Canada. You being in Canada, are there, do you know if there are multiple companies working on it or not? Or if Medicaid goes the only one? Or do you ever- no, I do not. I, I expect, and I say this with a bit of a smile, I expect it's a bit of a, of a Canadian way to keep a low profile and keep working and then one day unveil it, you know? Uh, no, not hearing okay. anything. Okay, well, well my Medicaid sister's goes very in pharmaceuticals. My, my whole family's in Canada. Works. My sister, yeah, my sister works in pharmaceuticals. Yes, I mean they have heard of it. There's talk of it. It's just not released yet. It's not. It's not. Um, it's. I think. Um, so my sister, my mother, father, my niece's nephew have already had both of their vaccines, first and second, in Canada. And, it, and I think they're. Sorry, what was the question? If that would be not the Medicaid or Pfizer. Right, right, because exactly. that's not out yet. They're mm-hmm. in phase three right now. Yeah, they're that's, in phase three that's right. Trials. And that's just why the average person in Canada is not talking about Medicago. But if you go on Global News, which is uh, I would say the major Canadian channel, GlobalNews.ca, you can find plenty of talk. You can put in the search engine Medicago, M-E-D-I-C-A-G-O, and I think there there are very few Canadian companies 
If not, this might be the only one as a contender. So if Pax mentioned it, I would say that um, Carol's probably correct in, in thinking that this was what Pax was talking about. Um, we can't say for sure, but this is, this is a Canadian company that has a vaccine that does sound very promising. But the average Canadian w- would not be getting this vaccine right now. And therefore, you know, that's not what all the talk is about. But there's no, you know, secret right. agenda with it. It's just... Um, Oh, no, it's not that. It's just yeah. that, you know, I, I wonder why it's not. It, here it is. It's going to be manufactured in the United States first because the plant's not ready in Canada. So we know that for sure. It comes from the Nicotiana plant, which is tobacco. And nobody wants to talk about that because it's tobacco. But, you know, it, I mean, come on, people. <laughs> you know, it's a plant-based vaccine. And that's from Australia. It works mm-hmm. very and it and it does a very it does a very different job than the other ones. It's a different technology. It's VLP, so that means that it um, it mimics the spike of the coronavirus, and your body will then look at it and say, "Oh, look, I think that's a spike," and it will go and take care of it. And to have a hundred percent of an efficacy rate with with no adverse side effects, and to be in the third phase. I mean, people were talking about AstraZeneca and J&J before they were even in the second or first phase. They were just like they're developing it. But nobody's mentioning this in this country. And I'm thinking, why would you not be mentioning it in this country when they're in Durham, North Carolina, in a 30,000-square-foot building, and they're going to be making this? And, and you bet your booty that probably all of the vaccines will end up going to Canada because the FDA here will not want to deal with it and not want to, you know, will have to go through their own clinical trials on it, which, which is a shame, but that's, you know, again, it comes down to, you know, can we just all work together and play nice in the sandbox? But it seems like the information is out there if you go digging for it. And I did, I did, because I was very interested when I first heard about it on one call that I was on and I thought, wait, this is interesting. This is Canada. And it reminded me of the books and the discussion that we had on September 30th. Mm -hmm. So I, I did have to, I did have to bring it up. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know if you guys were, you know, hearing about it up there, if you talk as much about the vaccine as they do in the States on, on the news that's here or not. Mm-hmm. So thank you for your input. <laughs> and again, well, if anybody wants to go back to about this. it because it, yeah, it'd be good for no, anybody go to, to research that themselves. And I think people are lining up for the vaccines right now and, there's an order, you know, is it your turn is a sort of thing right now. And so I, I yes. don't think that the, you know, the average person is not doing anything beyond that. You know, CDC says, you know, when it's your turn. So they're looking for when it's their turn and that's the vaccines are available now. So I do hope that Medicago gets theirs available soon because it does sound promising and it sounds like something different. And they are the leading Canadian-based contender to produce a vaccine. So if that's the one that uh, Pax was referring to, we don't know. But they are the leading Canadian-based contender to produce a vaccine. And they're expecting it by the end of this year. So, Carol, I might be coming up to visit you. <laughs> oh, my door is always open. <laughs> I, I have to be put in a number, though. You know, it's like they probably wouldn't give it to me. They're like, she's not Canadian. We can't give her the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would we'll be willing to take that one. <laughs> yeah, somehow things will work out. Oh my God! Well, once again, we're almost out of time. Actually, I think we're over time, but that's okay. <laughs> but before we go, I want to remind everyone: Do unto Earth. It's not too late. This is a book that you really need to get in reference as you're listening to these series, so that you know what we're talking about. I'm asking questions of our guests here that I think 
listeners would ask if they did not read the book. So that's why we're having the discussions we're having is to bring everything out so that you will be able to look at this book and read it and realize just what, where you are in, in your own evolution and the evolution of people on earth. And maybe, just maybe, we can quicken the pace here and, and have unity and peace on earth a lot sooner than we think. Also, uh, The Likely Future, Volume 1 and 2, uh, go and check that out. It will come up under the same authors, Penelope Jean Hayes and Carol Serene Borgens, who is the channeler. And... Check those out. These are really interesting books. You will you will be amazed if you if you do the likely future books. You will be amazed at what you can check off and say that did happen. That did happen. You will see that the channeling is quite accurate. So, ladies, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Really, really appreciate your being here once again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Too. I just want to remind Look everybody forward. to go to pax paxwisdom.com if they're looking Wisdom. for our books. There's a lot of information on there, too, paxwisdom.com, P-A-X-W-I-S-D-O-M.com. There's a lot of information there. Check that out, as well as the other uh, websites I gave you prior, which would be Penelope Jean Hayes. So that's P-E-N-E-L-O-P-E-J-E-A-N-H-A-Y-E-S.com. And you can get to that from Pax Wisdom. And Carol Serene Borgens. C-A-R-O-L-E-S-E-R-E-N-E-B-O-R-G-E-N-S.com. Also, you can get to that from PaxWisdom.com. So, listeners, we need you to spread the word. You know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so share it with your friends. You know, we're living in a most unprecedented time that's proving to be challenging and life-changing for everyone around the globe. Our world is quickly and constantly changing, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live. So this is where you find the tools to do just that. Please send this link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so that they can learn and grow and make the world a better place for all as well. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in this evening. Remember, this is part of a series, and we will be back next month on Wednesday, March 10th, with part three in the series. So get that in your calendar now so you won't forget, and be sure to tune in next week for another great show here at Energy and Awareness Radio. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. <laughs>